Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Worcester Culture Watch, a podcast connecting you with the local culture scene in Worcester. Arts, entertainment, music, and more. Worcester Culture Watch, from the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. Hello and welcome to Worcester Culture Watch on Telegram.com. I'm Victor Infante, Entertainment Editor for the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. In both segments today, we'll be talking about some upcoming events around the region, but we'll catch up with reporter Richard Duckett in a moment. But first, I'm here with Craig Seaman. Hi, Craig. How are you doing? Hey, Victor. It's always an honor and privilege to sit down (laughs) with you and chat about things entertainment and things entertainment in Worcester and... uh, Central Mass and outside Central Mass. And outside. We're going to be a little outside outside today. I know you've got a rundown of some upcoming concerts for April, but um, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I was at the House of Blues till like 1130 last night. And why was that? I was there. I was there to see Guy Clark Jr., which was really one of the best concerts I've seen in a long time. Oh, dynamite. Just musically speaking and presence speaking. Um, he is a spectacular guitarist. Um I'm trying to write something, probably not for right away, but just maybe for my own clarity, on the conversation I watched him have, his guitar particularly have, with the history of American blues-based music. Oh, great. It was incredible. I, I, it was a real privilege to be able to get to see that live. I, I, I mean, of course, he did play This Land, which is the big hit right now, right. which I wrote about a few months ago. Um Good crowd, packed. Sold out. Sold out. Sold out show. Sold out show. Absolutely, absolutely brimming with people. Now, with the change in, and it's great that blues is actually getting to the forefront of people's ears and attention. Where are people listening to this stuff? I don't know. I honest to goodness don't know. I I am, I mean, a lot of it's the internet, but very, there's a lot of blues out there. In fact, there was an article in the Washington Post not long ago, um, you know, Gary Clark Jr. is supposed to was supposed to be the savior of blues, right? Which infers that blues is in danger. Um, I hear about blues shows. We have a few odd blues yeah. men around town here in Worcester. There's a few in Boston, but I, honest to goodness, don't know where people find new blues and is new blues presented as new blues? Right, absolutely. Is it is it being presented as rock? Is it being presented as something else entirely? I don't have the answers to those questions, yeah. and, nor, and I think that would take a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I thinking. mean, the climate is so fickle now. It's like you're not hearing it on mainstream. Yeah. You're not he- I mean, I don't think the Grammys last time really acknowledged any. No, I mean, they give out a blues. They, yeah, be, earlier before the broadcast, <laughs> yeah. we gave this award to someone who you should be listening to, but exactly. you maybe never heard of. Yeah, and, you know, it's 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 amazing, but I mean, Watching that electrifying performance, and it's not a flashy show. It's right. four people on stage, him with an electric guitar. Right. He's not dancing. I've seen, I've seen shows, you know, with the singing and the dancing and the lights and the sideshows right. and the videos. And you know, sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not. And that was just, you know, him and a guitar really was the show. Right. And it, I couldn't take you couldn't take your eyes off of him. 
Well, that's a little bit like I me seeing our earlier in the week Sunday at uh, the Wolf Stand in Mohegan, Samantha Fish, another Indeed. up and coming rising our blue star. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll have a confession I to make, although I probably shouldn't. I was smitten by her looks before I even heard all, a lick of her guitar playing. And mm. she's an amazing guitarist. She's I, a, one of the best up and coming guitarists yeah, around. Yeah, and I so mean. Actually. I'm amazed she's on a big star because she's the whole deal. She got great stage presence. Uh, she can sing. She can write, and she can really play a mean blues guitar. And one of her blues guitars she has is a homemade uh, cigarette box with three strings, and and the noise is uh, the the beautiful noise that she makes out of that is incredible. I uh, if I had to describe it to someone, I would say. Think, think Stevie Ray Vaughan's meet Stevie Nicks. <laughs> I mean, uh, she's not as she's not an enchantress like Stevie Nicks, but man, can she play! And and she definitely knows how to hold the crowd. And something refreshing for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, the place was packed. Yeah. Uh, and it was waiting in line to get in, but most of the people were older than me. That and that is a, and that is both a thing and and. Maybe an issue where it's just part of the reason Blues yeah. is having problems right now. I'm, I've written about Samantha Fish before. She's played Bull Run up yes. in Shirley. Um, I, I think she's absolutely spectacular. Yeah. Uh, I love listening to her. But once we've been talking the Blues here. Tell me what's coming up here in April around, around the region. Yeah, uh, well, some of the big acts hit in the concert stage this April include the best-selling female artist of the 90s, a punk rocker turned MV... And I'll, I'll reveal all these in a second. A punk rocker turned MTV pop icon, a legendary 70s glam rock band, a low-rent radio head, the self-anointed <laughs> Jesus of Cool. You probably can guess most of these. Of course. A founding member of Pink Floyd, rock's premier poetess, and unofficial founder of the One Name Celebrity Club. Ooh. So uh, that's a lot going on. Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, and the first one in the and man uh, emancipation of Mimi category, we have Mariah Carey, of course, April second at the Botch Center Wang Theater, Boston. In uh, Ready Steady Go category, we have Billy Idol and Steve Stevens, uh, April third uh, at Lynn Auditorium, and I remember seeing both of them. At the E.M. Lowe's in downtown Worcester, a sold-out show in 84. Mm. So, uh, and in the all-the-not-so-young dudes category, we have Mott the Hoople, 74, April 9, Orpheum Theater, Boston. In the By George Orwellian Paranoia is Alive and Well category, we have Muse, April 10th at the TD Garden. In the What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Great Songwriting category, we have Nick Lowe's Quality Rock and Roll Review starring Lost Straight Jackets. Oh, th- oh I'm going to stop for one yeah. second because that is a combination of two of my favorite artists of all time. <laughs> um, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a Southern California boy, so the yeah. Straight Jackets is. is okay, up, that's it, your neck of the woods. That's, that's, that's up there. And Nick Lowe is just the best songwriter oh, oh, ever. Oh. What's so funny about peace, loving, un, peace, love, and understanding? Of course, um, cruel to be kind. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, I'm. I can go on, but I just love love him. Just a brilliant songwriter. Yeah, and as you know, uh, which you're probably gonna edit if you haven't already, I have a, a roundup of these shows tentatively slated for Sunday. Uh, I believe that is. I uh, believe that's and, and, and I do go into that, and I and I do say, and I'm sure you agree that Niccolo is probably is not only the underrated musical legend that he is. He's also he's also one of the coolest guys around. He wrote as you as you mentioned Costello's uh What's so funny about peace love and understanding. He wrote Crew to be kind, inspired by a line in a Shakespeare play Hamlet, yep. and that's pretty cool. He also uh is the sophisticated popster who helped shape punk rock by producing the Dam's New Rose, which was widely considered the first UK punk single. And helped shape new wave by producing Elvis Costello's first five albums, all classics. Indeed, you really can't. That's a pedigree and a half. And, and what a what a what a bizarre in a good way uh, mashup of people. It is, and when he just when he's just playing, he's practically just a folky, yeah. you know. But it, he's just so good. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I just had a few more on the list, and 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 we can always go into deeper and things. In the one of these days, Roger Waters, Powell, right in the kisser category, we have Nick Mason, saucerful of secrets. Nick Mason is, of course, the drummer of... uh, Pink Floyd, who's just been sick and tired of waiting for a proper Pink Floyd reunion. So he's actually playing the the Pink Floyd music that Roger Waters went in touch, huh. the Sid Barrett era. Oh. Before and up to before Dark Side of the Moon. Nice. So we're talking if this works out right, they get the singer from Spandau Ballet uh, singing, I guess, see Emily play and the other few uh, vocals in those in that period. But uh if this works out right, you're gonna it's gonna be a trippy event. And someone I'm sure we both adore in the G L O R I O U S glorious category, we have Patty Smith. I have seen Patty Smith. I it, saw I saw Patty Smith at play the press show on the final night at CBGB's. That's right. You went to that. I, I was um I was near tears. <laughs> it was uh, it was amazing. Yeah, we could talk about Patty for a while, and oh, yeah. and I don't want to start rumors, and I and I'm and I this is not any truth to this. It's just something that could happen. But a, a very bored and restless Bruce Springsteen has been popping around Boston lately. Really? Who knows? I'm not saying he's going to be there, but who knows? He didn't. He popped up at a. And the anniversary show she did in yeah, New York. Yeah, they, they are they are friends. And yeah, they're, they're still very friends, and and he was spotted at. Uh, at uh, Dropkick Murphy's on St. Patrick's Day, although he never made it on the stage. Who knows? And he's been looking for records with Peter Wolf. And finally, in the Cher and Cher-like category, we have the one and only Cher, April 28th, T.D. Garden, who uh, 16 years earlier played her farewell tour <laughs> at, the, uh, at the DCU Center. I think it was still the Centrum Center across the street. So that's a little bit of what's going on. Yeah, and I think I want to add to that um, down the road, I believe, at the Orpheum, and I believe it's in April. I have tickets, so I should know this. Um, Amanda Palmer. Yes, first, Amanda. First full, show, full set show in Boston in a few years, actually. Is that yes, Amanda so is coming. Huh? Amanda is on. Uh, yeah, that's and and um, I I just reviewed her album. Um, there will be no intermission. Right. And it is. I I found flaws in it, but it's still heartrending. It's still one of the most beautiful albums I've listened to in a well, long time. I mean, a a 
lack for a better term, a bad Amanda album or a flawed Amanda album, Palmer album is still better than most people. It is true. And I think the flaws, the, the flaws are what make, in my mind, is what yeah. makes the real humanity in that right. album stand out. Sometimes I, I, flaws are more telling. And that's yeah. why people... Don't go for the slick production yeah, all the slick time. Yeah, slick production's not interesting. Yeah. We were talking earlier about what makes a concert good. We we're off, right. off mic. Well, <laughs> and, um, nothing's yeah. off mic nowadays. Nothing's off mic. Everything is monitored. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, there have been times you can see an arc, bring it back to Gary Clark Jr. That's just, he, he has the presence and the power on stage that, he can have an electrifying show right. without a lot of effects. Right. Um, I have seen shows, you know, that do have the big videos oh, and all that. And it's entertaining in its way. And sometimes it's good and sometimes yeah. it's not. And I don't know. Sometimes it's a very individual process what makes the difference, I think. Right. I mean, you want, I mean, if this flash, razzle, dazzle, flash, or whatever you want to call it, it should serve a purpose. It should. I mean, I used to have an old joke about uh, you can tell when a uh, reviewer is stretching to write something good about a show if they start talking too much about the lights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's but, like, especially if you have a master in there, it's like, well, who cares what color the lights are? Yeah. But, I mean, it's like, you know, I was thinking back, you know, especially pop shows. And yeah. I reviewed Demi Lovato a few years ago. Right. And I, I was thinking about that concert the other day because I kind of remembered that Fifth Harmony opened for them. Okay. <laughs> and I didn't really know who Fifth Harmony was yet. Because right. um, I didn't watch whatever TV show they were yeah. on at the time. America's Got Talent. I got an honest, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I still don't know who Fifth Harmony is. <laughs> but I, I'm, we got to catch you up with I'm, the kids I'm, here. Play, I'm playing dumb here. But, um, but yeah, it's like there's a lot of production value and video projection and stuff on that show, and it wasn't interesting. Yeah. She was interesting. Right. In fact, her most powerful her bits were the ones without that. Right, when absolutely. she's just singing, and she's got this legion of teenage girls that is just hanging on every word. That was powerful. Yeah. That was powerful. The rest, I guess, it, it maybe it creates a contrast. I don't know. I don't want to belittle... The millennials or no, whatever, no. but and and it's and it's not necessarily them. I don't, I, I don't I, think I, it is because it's been I, going I, on a while. Yeah, but I think it's we're we're getting to a point where it's almost like low attention span theater. Everybody thinks I think it's the Michael Bay mentality almost of yeah. like Transformers. Everybody thinks you need a bunch of explosions or a lot of flashes or multiple stimulations with. You know, things that have absolutely nothing to do with things. Yeah, exactly. And, and at the point, it's like, I mean, maybe we're too old school, but we'd rather just, I mean, Samantha Fish, like uh, the show you just saw last night, she had four people on stage. Yeah, Gary and she was Jr. had four people on stage. And her, and her best special effect was her her talent. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I mean, and you did not need more than that. Yeah, I mean, I mean also could hear the change the light yeah. colors a little bit every yeah, now and no, again. I mean, but that's okay. I mean, it's but, fine. But yeah, I mean, if you go into a Metallica show, or Roger Waters show, uh, with this stuff like that going on, that's serves a purpose. Here's the thing: I reviewed ZZ Top, yeah. at Indian Ranch, and probably their biggest special effect was the twirling guitars. Yeah. Well, before that, people were telling that it's, you know friends of mine that had seen them, other yeah. reviewers I knew who had seen them. We're saying, oh, it's going to be a big video spectacle. I'm like, you can't do a big video spectacle at Indian Ranch. You just can't. Yeah, I mean, and was it? No, <laughs> it, it wasn't. It was really the only strip that one of the few 
very stripped down shows they've done lately. Yeah, well, if uh, when the Eliminator hit big, mm-hmm. that's the one that had like five top yeah. ten, and they were scraping hits. That's like the album t- you've heard of. <laughs> yeah, and they're scraping hits like TV Dinner. I mean, every, yeah. everything on there was uh, destined to be a hit, and that's pretty much their whole signature album. Even yeah. though they had a lot of stuff, Tush and yeah. other major songs before that, and they played twice at the Centrum in '83, and mm-hmm. uh, like with a six month span and they played the same show and there was a lot of flash uh there was a scene where a lighted fixture blew up which was all showing it was a guy dangling but it was a puppet okay and and people saw that show like twice and people are used to that stuff and and it's easy talk i mean billy gibbons one of the greatest guitarists yeah ever <laughs> I mean, they you know they get the beer. I mean, their looks enough. You don't need in their tunes. I mean, exactly. You don't. They they can prove that they're extraordinarily powerful with just the three of them playing. Oh, absolutely. They did. They did pull out the twirling guitars, but only for one song. Yeah. You know, and everybody. I think that made everybody. I mean, that happy. was the one of the Back in the Future movies too. So yeah. You, that's you expect that. Yeah, and but you know, it's like I I think I like Indian Ranch because sometimes you do get artists like that that. Have that are accustomed to playing bigger stages, and they're in a set where you know where the, maybe the video is expected and the light right. shows are expected, even if they even the country, even country does that now. Right. And um, you, you wrote about Carrie Underwood in yeah, the flight car at the Center. Yeah, and I uh, said it's, it's Jesus driving her car. <laughs> yeah, and um, and I don't. I think Indian Ranch because I think it really shows what artists are made out of. Right. And absolutely, I mean, summertime people like outdoor venues. Uh huh. Indian Ranch is the purest outdoor venue you're gonna find. It's easy to get to, at least yep. for us, but it's really easy to get to for anybody. Um, there's not a bad seat in the place. No, it sounds great, and you don't expect to see a group like ZZ Top. The one that surprised me a few years ago, and it's the only time I've ever seen. I've seen them like twenty times, and it's the only time I've ever seen them in daylight hours. <laughs> Is Chris Isaac? Yeah, I, I mean, I wish I, I wish I'd oh, come to that. I wish I'd. Come I mean, to Chris that. I is always Chris a hoop, but and one of his uh, signature moves at the end is he comes out with a disco mirror suit, which is made out of mirrors. Yeah, and it's the first, and and the disco ball sign shines on it. He had sunlight shining on it, and yeah. and it's good to see the stripped down stuff. And and Indian Ranch, although they have a little bit of repetition here and there, uh, the acts are all great acts. And the bread and butter is singing and playing. Yeah, they don't need the razzle dazzle, and they, and and it's and it's a pure venue. Yeah, and I've, I mean I've brought this before. It's like seeing Huey Lewis in the news there. Right. I was shocked at how that venue just really highlighted just how good that band right. is. Yeah, because you get very focused on Huey Lewis. But when you're paying attention to the news, that's one of the best yeah. backing bands I've yeah. ever seen. They're probably the best bar band you could probably get. Yeah, and and and, and people forget, you know, over the over the, even though that they were an overnight success story, there was like ten or twenty years behind <laughs> exactly. that. And these guys are seasoned players. Oh, and yeah. the bottom line is, be, even before their their breakthrough album, Sports. Uh, and yeah, they're, they're still the top of the game. I mean, definitely. 
And, uh, and yeah, Indian Ranch is always a thrill. If you get a chance to catch a show, the one I'm playing is Melissa Etheridge mm, this year. That's who's going to be all, fun. Yeah, and, 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 and then to me, that's the big surprise one this year there uh, because she's never played an outdoor venue like that, at least around here. Yeah, I, so, I, I, was, I was a bit surprised to see her on the schedule and yeah. happily surprised. All right, I think that about wraps this segment <laughs> okay. up, doesn't it? Very good. All right, well... We'll be back in more in a moment, but right now, this is Old Men Die in New Suits by Michael Caine in The Morning After. I thought you were calling. You've been listening to Old Men Die in New Suits by Michael Caine in the Morning Afters. He's going to be playing a gig, as I recall, out in East Hampton sometime this week. I don't have the date in front of me. 
but he is always worth checking out, and that is a great, great Worcester punk band. I hear a rumor that they might be at the Worcester Music Awards, too, actually, though that lineup hasn't been a re- released yet, so we'll just call it a rumor. <laughs> I'm here today with Mr. Richard Deckett. How are you today, Richard? Uh, good, Victor, yes. And, and you've got the cover of today's Go section coming up, and um, on the... Um, on Your Feet, the Gloria Estefan musical? Yes, it's the national tour of uh, On Your Feet. Uh, the national tour has been on the road for coming up to 18 months. And that follows um, a run on Broadway of uh, close to two years. So it's based on um, on the music and lives of uh, Emilio and Gloria Estefan. And, mm. of course, uh, they had very interesting... Um, uh, story, story, background, um, and um, the musical has been getting great reviews from Broadway to Syracuse as it uh, hits the road. And our own review um, is up on Telegram.com now. Um, Ke- um, Kevin Baldwin gave it four stars. Yes, and so I interviewed um, Christy Prades, who plays has the Gloria Stefan role. And, That's got to uh, be hard. And, and um, she, she was well prepared for it, though, because she's Cuban-American herself, um, grew up in the same Miami neighborhood as Gloria, oh. and went to the same college as Emilio. So that was a good, uh, <laughs> good, that was good, good training, so to speak. Um, but she um, is a talented uh, musical theater uh, singer and actor or dancer in her own right. Uh, she moved to New York City, got cast in West Side Story. And then she, first of all, got cast in the ensemble for On Your Feet. And when it came time to choose um, the lead, Gloria, for the uh, national tour, um, Christy was uh, at an event in Miami where Gloria Stefan was also attending. And uh, apparently Gloria Stefan got up on stage, announced the national tour, and said that Christy would be be playing the lead. And this was uh, <laughs> news to Christy, but of course, uh, she, of course she was delighted. <laughs> well, that's one way to get them to say yeah. yes. <laughs> so, uh, so actually, Christy's been playing uh, Gloria Stefan either in an ensemble, or as she was a cover for Gloria uh, Stefan uh, on Broadway, and now uh, on the road. Um, so she's been a part of her life for uh, over three years. That's that's a big deal. That's that's and uh, like you said, the show is getting phenomenal reviews. It's it's funny because something Kevin Baldwin said in his review really stood out at me. That this is. The, the inclination is to approach the show as a jukebox musical, like so many others that we've seen, and it's not. It is it is an actual their actual story with their music, of course. Yeah, there are several stories uh, involved. One is um, it was a struggle to become crossover. Um, the the Miami Sound Machine had re- had released several albums uh, in Spanish, but uh, it was a tough time convincing record executives that they could make a record singing in English. And um, when they finally did, they had a huge hit with um, Cuba. Yeah. And then on a more personal level, um, Gloria Stefan was involved in a bus accident, you know, that nearly took her life. And she was told um, that she would never walk or dance again, and she proved them wrong. Excellent, excellent. Now, she's a a phenomenally talented musician and she's she, she's just a really inspiring person it's it was funny because i was listening to 
a few of their songs today on Spotify because I read your story and got earwormed with Conga. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As happens with that, once you even... Everybody who's listening to this podcast right now, you have Conga stuck in your head. If you are over the age of 30, you're stuck with it. I'm sorry. So go listen to it right away. Um, But no, I I was listening to how so many of those songs... The production feels dated, you know, of its time, but the songs themselves feel very immediate, very co- contemporary still. Yeah, they're infectious. And, I think they were um, a little bit of a little bit ahead of their time, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Partly um, at at shows, um, by the end, the audience itself is doing a conga line. Yeah, so, we, uh, yeah. I I would I like I've seen I have I have now twice seen a conga line at the Hanover Theater. Both times with Pink Martini. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it is a theater that is practically built for it. <laughs> so I hope that works. All right. What else we got coming up in the world here? Well, I'm just going to talk about a couple of other stories mm-hmm. that I've been um, working on and writing. Um, on Sunday at Mechanics Hall, uh, the Worcester Course is going to be taking on Verdi's Requiem. Um, and uh, there are a number of interesting things about this performance. Um, usually, sort of uh, requiem, choral requiem masses are rather reflective affairs. Uh, but Verdi was an Italian 19th century opera composer. So uh, yeah. when he, uh, when he uh, wrote his requiem, it's, uh, he put lots of drama into it and, um, and color. And, uh, and it's become one of the most popular choral works in the entire repertoire. Um, and there's an interesting uh, side note about the um, soprano who uh, who I interviewed, a Robin Marie Lamp. Um, she's fl- based in Florida. Um, she's been rehear- she's been preparing to be the soprano soloist for the first time uh, for the Worcester Chorus Verdi, but she was down in uh, in Florida uh, a few weeks ago and um, was in a opera meets Broadway production mm. on March second, and she got a phone call saying that uh, a, produ- a production nearby. Um, the soprano who was going to sing Verdi Requiem and got sick. Could she fill in? Uh, so, uh, so anyway, Robin did a, did a three o'clock performance in um, Naples for the Opera Meets Broadway. Then, when that was done, got into the car, went to Fort Myers, and took the stage to do Verdi's Requiem at seven thirty. So, um, she got to perform it publicly ahead of uh, her scheduled first Worcester Chorus performance. That is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> so it has all the drama that uh, Verdi um, would would, uh, would like. In what a, are the in, in odds of that actually happening? I know, I know. It's, uh, it's 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 very unusual. It made it made the news down in uh, Florida. So, Definitely. So, and the performance itself um, um, should be a good one. Um, it's part of um, was the hundred and sixtieth anniversary of the Worcester Chorus, um, and it's the tenth anniversary that their music director and conductor Chris Shepard has been with them. Oh. I love uh, noteworthy events. For, Definitely, uh, for for, for well, Definitely. an ama- like amazing amount of story behind that story. <laughs> yes, yeah, and um, 
so that's a, that's a story about two women in the um, in the arts, so to speak, or three if you count um, the two Glorias and, and Robin. And then we've got Celtic Woman coming up uh, on April the seventh um, back at the Hanover Theatre. Uh, it's an all female, all Irish uh, singing quartet with. Um, Tara McNeil, who sings, but she also plays the violin mm. and the harp. Um, so uh, the group was got was put first put together in 2004. They made a TV special, an album that was released in 2005. I believe it was supposed to be just a one-off thing, but it became they became phenomenally popular, and they've toured the world, made 13 albums altogether, lots of PPS specials, and. Um, they combined traditional Celtic music, um, updated in some cases with a pop feel to it, and um, so um, so they're coming here. Uh, Tara McNeil, she's classically trained violinist oh. and um, got a first class honors degree from the Royal Academy of Music in Ireland, and. Um, had um, been a violinist with several uh, uh, well-known Irish symphony orchestras, but turns out she had always had a hankering to be a Celtic woman, <laughs> and and finally it came true. Excellent. Now I have not actually seen them, but I know they visited the Hanover Theatre several times. Yeah, they, yeah, they were last here, 2017. And I I, I I always hear great buzz out of those shows, and and you know I have yet to be. It's always ill-timed for me, but I've. Really, I would like to see them because I've listened to them and they're yeah, I gorgeous. Mean, especially if you're a fan of that type of music. Yeah, I mean they're very popular you know, for what it is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, um, a couple of other things to note that are coming up. Um, uh, you might think that um, when the Worcester chorus is going to do. Messiah, but it's Christmas usually because uh, that's that's the way it's been for a uh, hundred years. But uh, actually, uh, this season music was to um, flip script a bit because Handel's Messiah really was written for the Easter season, and on this on, for this season they're actually going to perform it close to Easter on April thirteenth at Mechanics Hall. Can so. can I just say I never actually knew that, and now that you say that, it makes complete sense. <laughs> 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 yeah, I know it's just one of those things. You know, it is a it's a Worcester tradition, and well, I mean, it's doing an ev- it Christmas. Ever, and, it's an everywhere tradition. I've seen it on the uh, West Coast and Christmas. Yeah. Well, it, it varies from community to community. You know, yeah. Um, in England, I know that they, 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 it's always performed at Easter. Well, I, they, they when, do when, things when, right over there. When, when I <laughs> when I tell my brother that uh, Christmas is coming up, so it must be Messiah. He doesn't know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> so, but he is a vicar in the Church of England, so uh, that would explain it. But um, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes this year. It's always um, um, they're well. The chorus, the chorus, always does a good job with it. They're certainly well versed with it, and um, and usually. They have uh, great soloists for it, so so there's something to look forward to there. Um, and let's see, well, there are um, a couple of other things you might want to note is uh, Avatar meets Avatar at Tuckerman Hall mm. on April 5th. Um, two musicians from slightly different genres 
with the same last name. But I, don't ask me any more about about it because uh, I've been trying to arrange an interview and uh, it hasn't come through yet. So, so if they're on the off chance that they're listening to this podcast, <laughs> Telegram. Yeah, and, yo, and on the same note, Yo Yo Ma, give me a call. I hear you coming to uh, I hear you coming to Mechanics Hall um, for. Um, a couple of performances uh, on uh, April seventh. I should I shouldn't say performances. No, it's a lecture, no, isn't no. It? I'll be in trouble for that. Uh, no, it's a lecture at two, and then a lecture and a partial performance at uh, five o'clock. Um, so um, I'll be able to tell you more once I've uh, spoken to him, uh, if, if if that ever happens. Excellent. Um, and then one final thing, if we're in a classical m- mood, um, the Worcester Chamber Music Society is going to be performing at, um, at um, Assumption College on April 12th. And I like the theme of um, this um, particular um, um, program. It's um, featuring works... Th- by blacklisted composers. Oh. In other words, works that uh, the authorities uh, clamped down on, didn't care for too much, and uh, I think that includes uh, uh, the, the Nazi government of uh, Germany. Indeed. So, well, um, so that should be uh, interesting. Um, apparently, um, the government. The powers that be didn't care for um, Felix Mendelssohn's Piano Trio Number no. One. That that must be very that, subversive. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and Eric Wolfgang Korngold's Piano Quintet in E apparently was also uh, worthy of um, of it, uh, it reprimand. May, yeah. how, how how and how how paranoid does an administration have to be to be threatened by <laughs> works like these? Yes. I know. I know. I mean, I mean, obviously that they they struck an emotional chord, and that was they were not happy with that. No, no, no. Blacklisted. Um, you get into trouble for even listening to it on your gramophone. I know. It's absolutely fa- absolutely. Uh, it's mind boggling, and I know. I mean, not that there's no censorship in the United States at this time, but it's very different sort of censorship. <laughs> but. So- so that's, uh, I mean, there's a lot more going on, but I think that's about it for me for this yeah. time. I just really quick want to make a um, cu- couple additions. This is a really big week for hip-hop. We're taking the big jump there from classical to hip-hop, which we seem to always do here on this podcast. Um, there are two fantastic shows. One is tonight at Starlight with a, called... Um, Big Timer Showcase, and it's got a lot of local rappers from around the region. There's also another big showcase tomorrow at Beatniks, um, which is going to feature um, another, like a whole separate different group of mostly Worcester-based rappers. Um, both shows are probably going to be really high energy and really exciting. Um, and the big names up-and-comer rapper Mosey, Lil Mosey is going to be at the Palladium on the 30th. And a couple of the rappers that were at in the Beatnik showcase will also probably be at um, the show that I'm hosting on on um, Saturday at Nick's at the Midnight Mystery Cabaret, which members of the Four Element crew will be there. So I'm really excited about that. Um, uh, quickly on the comedy front, too, we've got um, – there's – at Wuhaha, and I just actually went to Wuhaha for the first time. I saw Orlando Baxter there. 
and I, I, I rather liked it there. Um, Anthony DeVito is going to be playing there, and he's very funny. I've listened to him online a few times. But, and also, Wootenanny is going to be presenting a show called Polytheist, which is a one-man show by Boston comic Brett Johnson. It is, um, it's about, as he puts it, um, it's about him being a married 21-year-old monogamous evangelical, then the opposite. So, of course, it's a whole thing. <laughs> so there's a lot going on right now. Please, if you want to find out more, pick up our Go section in today's paper. Pick up our um, Friday section. And, of course, on Sunday, our Act section, which is packed with things. Um, that about wraps us up. You have been listening to Worcester Culture Watch. For more, read our arts and entertainment coverage in the Telegram and Gazette and online at telegram.com. As always, our music was composed by DJ Manipulator. Thanks, and we'll be back soon. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.